0: The sun's out, it looks like a pretty idyllic summer. There are people spilling out of restaurants, sat on little tables. There's a queue for ice
1: cream stretching around the corner. But looking around, what's really surprising is some of the big businesses that haven't reopened. So just
0: on the corner there's a restaurant. used to be really busy and now it's boarded up. A few doors down, the lights are out, chairs are stacked up on the tables. Sign in the window saying, due to COVID, they'll be closed for the foreseeable. We know that the chain has already lost 200 jobs across the country. And looking across the road, there's a, a Pizza Express. But we know they've lost 1,000 of their staff nationally. There's a Boots, which looks quite busy. They've had to lose 4,000 people across the country.
1: It looks like a perfect summer's afternoon. But scratch under the surface. Britain is in recession. Will all of
0: these businesses reopen? And will the people who are on furlough schemes, will they have jobs to come back to? And the moment the furlough scheme finishes, that could be much, much worse. You're listening to Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the coronavirus recession.
2: The depressing roll call of businesses slashing staff grows by the day. John Lewis and Boots have announced 5,000 job cuts.
3: In the past two days alone, some 12,000 job losses have been announced. When you scratch beneath the surface, we're now starting to see some of the evidence uh, of what's going on.
2: In April, the economy contracted by 20%, which is completely unprecedented, the biggest slump on record. Gurpreet
1: Narwan is the economics correspondent at The Times. We spoke before the latest figures were released, but we had a pretty good idea of what they were going to say.
2: So now we're going to get the second quarter GDP figures. And the second quarter GDP figures are going to show us that the economy is officially in recession. A
1: country is technically in a recession when GDP shrinks for two quarters in a row. And as of today, that's where we are, for the first time since 2009. Now... One of the difficulties in talking about numbers on a podcast is that we can't show you the charts and graphs that you'd see in the Times. It's difficult to get a sense of scale and proportion. So, in sound, here's one way to take the pulse of the economy. We start in March 2020. According to the ONS, in March, the number of people on UK payrolls was falling by about 350 per day. Each beat is the sound of 350 people leaving the payroll. What you're hearing now is that number increasing from 350 to more than 15,000 a day in April. According to yesterday's official employment figures, 220,000 jobs were lost between April and June. As bad as that sounds, the real figure may be much higher.
2: These employment figures are deceptive because unemployment is still close to record lows and it's ticked up, but only slightly. And this is because a huge proportion of the workforce are still on furlough. At its peak, about a quarter of the workforce was on furlough. But what economists and policymakers are particularly worried about is that come October, when this fellow scheme is wound down, we're going to see a much bigger rise in unemployment. Some forecasters are saying that it could hit 12%, which would be the biggest unemployment rate, the largest number of people not in work since about the 1980s.
1: Officially, we're in recession. But compared to other recessions, how deep are we expecting it to be?
2: So this recession is going to be one of the worst on record. It's been compared to the Great Depression of the 1930s. It's going to be significantly bigger than the Great Financial Crisis a decade ago. The Bank of England says that this is going to be the worst recession in 100 years. So that takes us back to the end of the First World War and the influenza outbreak but although that, that sounds bad, it's a significant improvement on what they were suggesting would be the case back in May. Back then, the Bank of England said that this would be the worst recession in about 300 years, which takes us back to gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm trying to think what that takes us back to. Ah, it was the, it was the War of Spanish Succession, which was 1706. I'm going to say yeah, 1706, yeah. So that gives you a sense of the scale of the downturn we're about to experience, which perhaps isn't that surprising, considering that we've closed down parts of our economy deliberately. This is very much a policy-induced recession. However, what they were hoping for is that the bounce back, so after we've hit the floor, we'd, we'd recover much quicker because we'd be able to just open up those parts of the economy that we had deliberately closed. However, now it's looking like that may not be the case Because consumer demand and spending in the economy is likely to remain weak because consumers don't have the confidence to go out and spend.
1: Well, so a lot of, you know, people will have heard talk about this V-shaped recovery, you know, where we do just bounce back instantly and and an L-shaped one and a W-shaped one. Could you just sort of explain all of that for us and and just also give us an idea of what it is that the
2: experts expect us to experience now? When Britain first went into lockdown, there was a lot of talk about a V-shaped recovery. So this would prove temporary, we'd be able to bounce back pretty quickly, although, you know, it'd be a sharp fall, it would also be a sharp rise all of those people on furlough would go back to work um, and the economy would get back on its feet pretty quickly. Then it became increasingly clear that this lockdown wasn't something that we were going to be able to be over and done with in a couple of months, that it would take potentially quite a long time for us to get a vaccine. And then it suddenly became clear to economists that hopes of a V-shaped recovery were pretty optimistic. Now, as it's become clear that a lot of those people on furlough are probably going to be made redundant, and as it's become clear that people are fearful about going out and spending, now economists are saying, well, it's not going to be a V. It's going to be a lopsided V. So it's just going to take a little bit longer to get there. Others are saying it's going to be more like a W. So after we've hit the floor, we're going to see a big bounce back as shops, restaurants, hotels and pubs open. But eventually that growth is going to peter out because ultimately incomes aren't going to recover in the same way. People are going to be made redundant. Confidence is going to fall. And the negative cycle of low confidence, low spending, which leads to higher unemployment, will eventually weigh on growth and cause that recovery to peter out.
1: And in terms of that that W-shaped recovery where, you know, you end up bouncing back, but then you have another fall again. I mean, is there a chance that come the autumn... Everything's going to be harder anyway. And if we have a second spike in the virus, but also, you know, a lot of restaurants are reopening now because they can let people sit outside and eat in
2: the sun. And I mean, what happens to the economy in the autumn? The Chancellor's furlough scheme, the job retention scheme, which has been supporting the incomes of about a quarter of the population, is going to officially come to an end. The Office for Budget Responsibility is estimating that up to about 20% of these people could be made redundant. That's millions of people could lose their jobs. Your point about restaurants and eating out is a really important one. Britain's performance, economic performance, has been worse than many other advanced nations. Quarter to GDP, which has fallen by 20%, which is worse than anything registered in Spain, which came in at 18.5%, the US, France and Germany. And the reason the UK has suffered more than its neighbours is because social consumption, so that's Restaurants, it's hotels, it's eating out, it's cinemas, it's pubs, forms a larger part of our economy than it does other economies. So, come the autumn, if social consumption, if that type of spending is back on lockdown, there are real concerns about the toll that that's going to have on economic growth.
1: So, is there a chance that this summer, you know, while we're all sitting outside eating and there's a heat wave on and people are still on furlough, is this just
2: the calm before the storm? Certainly, that's what many economists believe. Some of the language that economists have used to describe what's coming in the autumn has been pretty stark. Some are saying that it could be a bloodbath, others are saying it could be a jobs catastrophe. And there's certainly the sense that we've been immune from the worst impact of unemployment because of this furlough scheme. It's shielding us from the the real agony of of what's down the line. I mean, some of that language about a
1: bloodbath in the autumn that's so stark and, you know, it's such a bleak outlook. You've written about zombie jobs. How does that concept work? Can you explain how that's sort of playing out in the economy?
2: So there's a lot of pressure on the Chancellor to extend the furlough scheme. And understandably so, it's been a lifeline for millions of people across Britain. Now, the whole point of the job retention scheme is that it's designed to keep people who would have had jobs that would have existed were it not for the lockdown tied to their employer. But the problem is, it's become clear that there are many companies that simply won't survive in the same way. Many people think that the hospitality and tourism sectors will never be the same again. So increasingly, it's looking like the furlough scheme isn't really a retention scheme. It's becoming a form of social welfare it's becoming kind of like an unemployment benefit for people who are tied to jobs that no longer exist many economists believe that instead of keeping these people tied to jobs that don't really exist anymore what you're doing is you're preventing them from going out to finding work elsewhere but instead what we should be doing is saying right the scheme needs to come to an end and andrew bailey the governor of the bank of england last week suggested this as well so that these people who are in zombie jobs can go off and find work in more productive parts of the economy. So whether that's, you know, becoming delivery drivers or becoming trained to work in jobs in health and social care and not give people false hope about their job prospects. It's it's
1: really interesting. You, you sort of say that, you know, Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England, saying it's time to end the furlough scheme. Uh, and there's clearly a sense across government that it's it's time to do the same. Is there no scenario where we could just extend that until... A vaccine is found and the the fear of the virus is over and then you just reopen the economy as it was. And, you know, travel is the same as it was and restaurants are the same as they were and people don't have to retrain. They can
2: just pick up their jobs and carry on. Yeah, when the furlough scheme was first introduced, that was certainly the hope. But nobody knows really how long it's going to take for us to get a vaccine. Some economists uh, who are working on um, ways to finance a vaccine, their research has suggested that at a minimum, at a push, it could take 18 months. But, you know, don't bank on that. It could take years. There's a huge amount of money that's being poured into vaccine research. But even when we do get a vaccine, manufacturing it on a mass scale so that we can inoculate, you know, just the world's key workers, let alone the world's entire population, this is all going to take a huge amount of time. And it's perhaps quite dangerous to bank on getting a vaccine and keeping the economy in a state of hibernation until we get it.
1: Take us back to the start of the crisis. Was there a point when you realised this was more than a virus, this was going to shake the economy?
2: The most kind of dramatic example was in the US, where in April, about 20 million people lost their jobs. And that's decades of jobs growth wiped out in a month. The unemployment rate there jumped from... 4.4% in March to 14.7%. And I think it became really clear at that moment that this was kind of a seismic shift. And I think certainly in the UK, it really highlighted just how much of a saviour that furlough scheme had been, because certainly something similar would have happened here were it not for that. I remember there was just this this New York Times front page at
1: one point where it tried to show just as a a graph what had happened to unemployment and they couldn't fit it on the page literally off the charts literally off the
2: charts economists were saying if we had seen these figures in any other time we would have assumed that they were a spreadsheet error
3: Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
1: This is a, a highly unusual recession because we've controlled, you know, the government has controlled... The shutting down of the economy, which is, you know, never happens. The question is, I suppose, how much they'll be able to control it's reopening again and how much of it they'll be able to to reopen. I mean, let's talk about the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, and how he's handled this, you know, the man in the centre of a lot of this policy. How do you think he's handled it so far?
2: I think the furlough scheme is probably the main policy that he's really going to be remembered for. All in all, it's considered a successful policy. The real challenge will be the winding down of the furlough scheme, how he deals with criticism about extending it. He can extend the furlough scheme. I don't think he will. I think that's when suddenly the attitude of many people could potentially turn against the Chancellor. And what are his options now? Encouraging consumption in the economy is going to be the big thing. How do we get people out and spending? Because people are scared about spending and they have the fear of unemployment looming over them, which is also stopping them. So they have introduced this eat out to help out scheme.
1: They're now desperately trying to encourage people to go out at the same time, knowing that there's also a health
2: crisis looming. It's quite a tricky position. They're they're in a corner. It's a bit of a fudge, isn't it? The economic response is about getting people to go out and spend, even though some of the advice appears to be contradicting the health advice. So I think many people at home are just a little bit confused about it.
1: So far, all the forecasts are pretty uniformly bleak. What does it mean for the future? Looking ahead, I mean, in your position, covering your beat, you do get all the gossip from the Bank of England and and economists like that. What are you hearing?
2: I think everyone at the moment is still very much in crisis mode. I think when it comes to the outlook, one of the big concerns is the size of the public debt. The big question is, how do we manage this new, larger debt Burden that we've got, and whether spending cuts and tax rises are on the horizon for the British public. I mean, the government
1: does keep suggesting that austerity isn't making a comeback. So, what will their options be for how they handle it?
2: Yeah, so austerity is certainly unpalatable. I think part of it will be accepting that we'll just have to live with a larger debt. Interest rates, government borrowing costs are at record lows, and they're unlikely to rise sharply in the years to come. But if they were to rise quickly, then that's something that we do need to be prepared for. The big option available at the moment is if you just grow the economy, you can grow your way out of the debt. Because the last thing you want to do is to cut spending so severely to manage the debt that you end up harming um, the productive capacity of your economy and that you don't invest in it enough. And that damages your ability to grow. But then there are certainly think tanks such as the Institute for Fiscal Studies that have warned that, you know, tax rises are going to have to be on the horizon at some point. But, you know, tax rises alone won't be enough to to bring our debt down to what it was before the crisis. I think a higher level of debt is just going to be something that we're going to have to live with. So that's government
1: debt, which will affect us all and, you know, there are potentially tax rises coming to pay for it. What about sort of on the more micro level? What about businesses who've taken on debt to try to get through lockdown? What happens to them in a few months time?
2: Corporate debt is one of the big concerns that policymakers have at the moment, because businesses have taken on a huge amount of debt through those government backed loans. Although they were incredibly helpful in terms of ensuring that many businesses didn't go bust um, when the economy was in full lockdown in April, that money is going to have to be paid back eventually. And when the repayments start in early next year, we'll have had that kind of jittery period in the economy towards the end of this year when we think rising unemployment would start weighing on demand again. So businesses won't be in a brilliant position to start paying back that debt. And it's going to be the smaller, medium-sized businesses that are going to really be at the sharp end of this because big companies have the balance sheets to be able to weather the storm, whereas small coffee shops and small restaurants won't be able to tolerate, you know, months of having no customers and then a second lockdown and then a few extra months of having no customers. When businesses go bust, their employees lose their jobs, their creditors don't get paid back. And that leads to this downward spiral of weak demand and high unemployment within the economy, which is the big flashing warning sign that we currently have looming over us.
1: You've said that there are a lot of people in zombie jobs. Some of these businesses will go bust and people who are currently on furlough will soon find out that you know they're, they're actually unemployed, those jobs don't exist anymore. Which sectors in particular do you think will be hardest hit? And what are the sectors that people should be looking at if they are thinking of of switching, of trying to retrain and, and find a sector
2: that will be flourishing in the future? What should they be looking for? I think the immediate concern is just finding any job that will do. So indeed, the job site found that Increasingly, people are just doing blank searches for jobs on their website. You know, they're not even looking for jobs as a bus driver or a teacher or, or a journalist or wherever it might be. They're just typing in Brentford, any job. And that gives you a sense of the desperation when it comes to just the dearth of vacancies that there are out there. The primary concern for people at the moment is just get a job that will pay the bills.
1: All of this is unprecedented. This is the stuff that you you know you don't learn in economic theory. This has just never been seen before, and there is sort of an element of slightly making it up as you go along, or sort of you know trying new things that have never been tried before. You know, it took us after the financial crisis in two thousand and eight. It took us more than a decade to to recover. We're now back in recession. How long do you think it's going to take us to get out of it?
2: I think one of the reasons we're finding it so challenging is that we never did really recover from the financial crisis the financial crisis changed the way we live for many years afterwards we were still worse off than we were before the crisis hit incomes real incomes only recovered this year to their pre-financial crisis peak so for a long time People weren't earning what they were before the financial crisis. They were also more likely to be working in precarious jobs. But the Bank of England certainly saying it's going to take a few years now for us to get back to our pre-COVID peak of output. And the big thing hanging over this is a second wave. If we have another outbreak and we don't get a vaccine, even that is probably looking too optimistic. So I think we should certainly be preparing for things to get worse before they get better.
1: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the Times economics correspondent, Gurpreet Narwan. You can read all of Gurpreet's reporting on the latest economic news with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe to find out more. The producer today was James Shield. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Falken Kisseltuk. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer.